Well, moms, I have a question for you. Has there ever been a time that you felt helpless as a mother? Uh, uh, maybe you read the books on what to expect, but then you got into it and the unexpected occurred and you went, what am I going to do? Your child was sick, your, your, your baby is sick, and who do you call? What, who do you reach out to to say, I, I have this need? Or your kid is a little bit older and is acting up and you know how to parent with love and with logic and it's not working. And so what do you do? You're at your, at your wit's end. Who do you reach out to? Where do you go when you have that kind of a need? Or maybe your kid is uh, getting older and striking out on their own and they're making the kinds of decisions that you wish that they wouldn't make. And so what do you do? Who do you turn to? This morning we have a woman in our text uh, that has this kind of a struggle. And so we're going to, if you would, turn to Matthew chapter 15. And as you're turning there, let me set up the context before we get to her, because the context is that Jesus has been uh, going around and teaching and has been uh, healing people. There were a lot of sick people who were brought to him, and he healed them all. And then uh, while that was happening, the Pharisees, you might remember them, the religious leaders of the day, came and they said, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're teaching all of these people, you have these followers who are following you, and they are eating with unwashed hands. They are not following the letter of the law, and they are unclean. And so Jesus talks with those Pharisees and accuses them of not following the law of God and following their own traditions and says, look, it's not what goes into a person from the outside that makes them clean or unclean, but rather what comes out of a person. That's what makes them clean or unclean. Now, I'll tell you, those Pharisees had an issue because those people who were following him were eating with unwashed hands, and they had an issue with that, and they would lose their minds if they knew what was going to happen next. Because this idea of it's not what comes from without inside the body, but what comes from the body, comes from the inside out is what is important. That is what is exactly going to happen here. So if you look at Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Now, Jesus has pulled away. He's interacted with the Pharisees. He has said his piece. He has clarified for his disciples what he meant, and then he pulls away from there. Maybe it was a little bit of a hot spot at that point. Tensions were running a little high, and Jesus said, you know what? I'm just going to step away, go up by Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon are to the north of Israel, so maybe Jesus went all the way up out of Israel into Tyre and Sidon, or maybe he just went uh, up to the northern end in the area of Tyre and Sidon. But he pulls away and goes out there, and it is in that place that he has an encounter with a Canaanite woman. This woman is not a Jewish woman. If we were concerned about the disciples following Jesus and eating with unwashed hands because they were not ritually clean in their following him, what about this woman now? 
this foreigner who encounters him. Jesus went, to the, went from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Now, isn't that interesting? Here's this woman who is crying out to Jesus. He, he comes up to the northern end of Israel, maybe even outside of Israel, just, just past that. And this Canaanite woman sees him or hears about him and comes and finds him and cries out to him. And this is what she says, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. How did she know that? How did she know that? How did she know who Jesus was? Well, I was looking for uh, references to Tyre and Sidon in the Bible, and I found this that I thought was kind of interesting. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, David is wanting to prepare for the building of the temple of the Lord. He's not allowed to build the temple himself, but he's wanting to prepare for the building of the temple of the Lord, and so he's gathering materials, and it says in Matthew, uh, sorry, in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 11, and Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David, and cedar trees, also carpenters and masons who built David a house. And David knew that the Lord had established him king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. There was this relationship between Israel and Tyre and Sidon. It, it wasn't the, a contentious kind of relationship, at, at least at, at that time. They, they were friends. They were neighboring countries. There were neighboring uh, regions and, and cities. And so uh, David had reached out to this neighboring king and said, hey, I need some materials because I don't have the, the, the wood. I don't have the cedars and things to build a temple for the Lord. I don't have a, the, the materials that I need to build my own castle, my own house, or one for the Lord. And so I need help. And so Tyre, the Hiram, the king of Tyre, sent messengers and workers and materials to David so that the temple could be built. Isn't that great? And then in 2 Samuel chapter 7 was this promise. 2 Samuel chapter 7 starting in, in verse 12, when your days are fulfilled, this is God now speaking to David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Do you think that Hiram, king of Tyre, knew this prophecy? Do you think that Hiram, king of Tyre, knew about the promises to David? I think so. I think that there was word in Tyre about this. I think that there was an understanding that this is a great country, this is a great people group, this nation of Israel, and we are going to partner with them because we are seeing the way that their God blesses them and takes care of them, and we are going to send them what they need for the worship of their God. And I think now that this Canaanite woman from the region of Tyre and Sidon is coming to visit Jesus and says, I recognize something that I have heard before. 
I recognize something about this person. Some authority here, some power here. There's something about this, O Lord, Son of David. And so she comes along, her her daughter is in need, and she comes and she finds him, and she is crying out, have mercy on me, O Lord, Son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. She's at her wit's end. She doesn't know what else to do. Some of you have been in that place before where you feel so helpless because your child has an issue and you can't do anything about it. You've called the people that you can think to call and they don't know what to do and you have done the Google search and that doesn't reveal anything that's helpful. And so you just are there going, I don't know what to do. And she is in this same place, and the thing that she can think to do is cry out to this man, this person, and say, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Have mercy on me. We don't know exactly how this daughter of hers was being tormented. We don't even know if the daughter was present there physically or not. It doesn't seem to be important at all. The way in which this demon manifested its oppression on the daughter, what seems to be important is that this mother has compassion for her daughter and is looking for help. And she's looking for help from Jesus. Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, I need your help. What can be done to relieve the pain or the pressure or the whatever that her daughter is dealing with? And she says, I believe that this Jesus is the son of David, that promised Messiah of Israel. And so she was crying out. Do you notice that? And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying. Not and had cried. Not and did cry. But and was crying. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. I need help. I need help. Please will you help. And as she is crying out, we might expect, based on all that Jesus has done up to this point, that when he hears that, he would turn to her and with loving smile, engage her and say, what is it, my daughter? How can I help you? Isn't that what we would expect from Jesus? Isn't that the kind of thing we have seen from Jesus before, that even when he is tired, even when he wants to be left alone and wants to be off by himself in prayer, even at those times when somebody comes to him and is in need, he heals them, right? We've we've seen verses just a few verses ago that everyone who was in need, everyone who was sick, they brought to him and he healed them all. And so our expectation here is that that's going to be the very same thing. Have mercy on me, O Lord, Son of David. 
for my daughter is severely oppressed. And Jesus would then turn to her and say, oh, what can I do for you? And instead we get to verse 23, but he did not answer her a word. Nothing. He didn't say anything. I, I have had it very recently that I was trying to locate my son, and so I sent him a text, and he didn't respond a word. And so I sent another text and made a phone call that didn't get answered. And I was vexed. <laughs> because there was no response. Nothing? Nothing at all? And I know that some of you have been in that place before where you have gone to the Lord and you have said, Lord, I need help. Lord, are you listening? It's me. I need help. Nothing. Nothing. And I can say that in sort of a silly way here, right? But when that is happening in real life and you're crying out to the Lord and you get nothing back, what do you do? He's being silent. Does he just not care? Is he not there? Will he never respond? Do you know what she was doing? Crying out. Continually. Oh Lord, have mercy on me. Oh Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Have compassion on me for the sake of my child who is oppressed by a demon. And it got to the point where she is crying out and he's not responding or saying anything and his disciples are standing there going, are you going to do something? Jesus. Jesus. Do you hear the woman? Say something. Anything to make her stop. Jesus. Send her away, or heal her, or do something. Say something. Are you going to do something, or are you not going to do something? But we hear her. And so his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. She was crying and crying. She was making a nuisance of herself in her crying out to the Lord, in her crying out to Jesus. 
so that his disciples are going, you're not going to say anything? Please, they are begging Jesus now on her behalf. Please, Jesus, would you say something? Either send her away and say no, or do it and send her away happy. We don't really care. Just get it done. Make it stop. And Jesus responds to them. He answers and he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, in Ezekiel chapter 34, the Lord is having issues with the leaders of the nation of Israel. He is, he is chastising them, saying, you were supposed to be shepherds of the people. You were supposed to be caring for them. And instead, they have been scattered, and they are who knows where. Because you have not been caring for the sheep. You have not been protecting the sheep. You have not been watching out for the sheep. And so the sheep are scattered. And in that same chapter, God says to those leaders of Israel, He says, therefore, I am going to come. And I am going to seek out my lost sheep. And I am going to bring them back in. And Jesus now is making reference to that. And He says, look, yes, I am the Messiah. Yes, I am the son of David. Yes, I am the Lord in the flesh. And what I have come to do is call my people back to me. I have come to restore my people. As I promised. As I promised Abraham and Isaac and Jacob Israel. And so those lost sheep of the nation of Israel, those are the ones that I have come for. And for a moment here, it seems as if the Pharisees had drawn this line and said, we have to have everybody be clean. They have to be ceremonially clean for God to want them. And so we want everybody to be ceremonially clean so that God will want them. And Jesus said, no, no. No, it's not the outside that matters. It's the inside that matters. And I have come to call them. But it seems here that even Jesus now is drawing a boundary on this and saying, but this only applies to the children of the covenant. This only applies to the children of the nation of Israel. Because my purpose, Jesus says, is to come for them. I am coming I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And so as his disciples are begging him that he would say something to her, that he would make her go away, Jesus, you know, you've, you've time and time again just sort of like snapped your fingers or whatever it is that you do, and then the person is healed and they can go away. And so Jesus, can you just like do that? And his response is, no, no, I have only come for the lost sheep of Israel. So there's her answer, right? There's your answer. Maybe the disciples turned to her, I'm sorry, not a sheep of Israel, 
But she came, and she knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Here we have somebody from outside the nation of Israel who is coming with a confession that he is the Messiah, that he is the son of David, referring to him as Lord, Master, please help me. Like Rahab, like Ruth, this woman from outside the covenant people, yet demonstrating faith and saying, can you include me too in the promises of Israel? I recognize that I am a foreigner, but will you include me too, Lord? Include me too. Lord, help me on behalf of my child. I know that your purpose may not have been for coming for me specifically. But you are able, you are capable to include me and my child as well. And his response to her is, it is not right. This is verse 26. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. I, I know, I know, woman, that you have a child that you are concerned for. I also have children that I am concerned for. You are concerned about your child, I am concerned about my children, and I cannot neglect them to take care of yours. I must take care of my own. I must take care of my own. My purpose is to care for my children. I know your deep love for your daughter, but I must care for my children. And her response is this. She said, verse 27, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Yes, Lord. She doesn't argue with him, right? She doesn't argue with him and go, go oh, no, 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 no. No, I am deserving, though. I, am clean. I washed my hands, unlike some of your other followers. I am deserving. Consider me also. She doesn't say any of that. With great humility, as he says to her, we can't take the bread from the children and toss it to the dogs. She says, okay. Yes. Yes, I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree that, that uh, I am not identified as one of your children. And I agree that you cannot neglect your children so that you can take care of me among the dogs. However, however, you can take care of me without neglecting the children. For even the dogs eat the scraps that come from the master's table. Even the dogs eat the scraps that come from the master's table because the master recognizes that the master is responsible for both the children and the dogs. 
He is responsible for the children and the dogs. And so when the the master drops the crumbs from the table, we are not talking about the neglect of children eating at a table and making a mess with the dogs, hoping that they get some morsels that the children may drop. We're talking about the master who, recognizing he has responsibility for the dogs, drops something from the table on their behalf. He recognizes their need and knows he has a sufficient amount that he can give to them too without neglecting the children, without neglecting his own table, but the the master, the one responsible for the dogs, drops the food for the dog to eat on purpose, and that is what she's requesting now. Yes, Lord, I recognize that you must not neglect the lost sheep of Israel. You must not neglect the children of the promise. However, however, you are responsible for me too and my child. And there is enough that you can share without neglecting the purpose for which you came. What a beautiful demonstration of faith. What a beautiful demonstration of faith. She knows that there is enough. She's not arguing with him about his purpose, but she's pleading with him based on his mercy and compassion. Not because she deserves or requires it, but because of his mercy and compassion. Would you have mercy on me? And Jesus answers her, O woman, great is your faith. O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. And so we have this picture of this outsider woman who comes on behalf of her child. And Jesus meets her need. But think about the faith that is required to continually cry out when there is no response. In the midst of the silence, she continues to cry out. She can see he's intentionally ignoring her. And there are times that I am going to the Lord in prayer and I may feel that I am being ignored. But may we, with the faith of this woman, continue to cry out. And when his response is, no, not for you, she continues to ask, Lord, based on your mercy, not on my merits, but based on your mercy, would you respond? This great faith has a humble, consistent petition before the Lord. And so I want to affirm for some of you, some of you mothers, some of you fathers in the room who have children for whom you are very concerned and you have gone to the Lord and feel like, Lord, you're not responding. May I affirm the role of the intercession of the parent. 
May I affirm your role as intercessors? Some of you don't have children that you are concerned about, but you have friends that you're concerned about. Some of you have parents that you're concerned about. Or other loved ones that you are concerned about. And I want to affirm for you the role of intercessor. May you have faith on behalf of the person that you are interceding for. Because as I mentioned at the beginning of, of, of this, the daughter doesn't show up anywhere. This healing, this uh, relief of the spiritual oppression from these demons does not come because of the faith of the daughter. The daughter doesn't even show up. We hear about her affliction from the mother, and then we are told by the narrator, by Matthew at the end here, that instantly her daughter was healed. How do we know that? Was she there? Could they see it happen? We don't know. It's completely unimportant to the point. The point is that this woman is interceding on behalf of her child. She is going to the person that she knows has the authority and the ability, the capability to help. And I want to affirm for you that you know the master. You know the master. And there is likely someone in your life who requires intercession. They need somebody crying out to the Lord on their behalf. And I want to affirm for you that role. That is an important role. To go on behalf of somebody else and to say, Lord, I don't see you answering this need yet. And to continue to ask. Not because they deserve it. Not because you deserve it but simply based on the mercy of our God. Humbly and, merciful, uh, uh, humbly and consistently requesting His mercy because of His mercy, His love, His compassion. And I know that some of you are going, I'm not qualified for this. I'm not qualified for this. Intercessors are those people that are very holy. Those are the people who are the good prayers. That when we have a day of prayer, they show up. Those are the people who do intercession. The intercession isn't for somebody like me. I'm a screw-up. I'm not going to get it right. God's not going to answer my prayers. I want you to hear this from Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And He raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, 
so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. There are none of us who deserve the mercy of God based on the merits, but because of the great mercy of God, we have a Savior. Jesus Christ, who is sitting at the right hand of the Father and who has raised us up from a life of sin and spiritual death to a new spiritual life where positionally we are seated with Him so that He might demonstrate for us, He might show us the immeasurable measure of His grace and mercy. And so it is with that kind of confidence then that we can go to the Lord and pray. That we can go to the Lord in intercession and that we can be crying out to the Lord even when we aren't hearing a response, even if we're not hearing the response in the time that we want, in the way that we want, we can continue to ask and say, Lord, have mercy on me on behalf of my friend. Lord, have mercy on me on behalf of my child. Lord, have mercy on me on behalf of my parents. Lord, have mercy on me. When you are in great need, when your family members are in great need, may you have great confidence to humbly go to the Lord and beg for his mercy. And may he be gracious and compassionate to you as he ended up being with this woman. You see, along the way, it seemed as if Jesus did not care. It seemed as if Jesus was not going to respond. But in the end, he commends her for her faith. And her faith is demonstrated in his slowness to respond. And he is glorified in the response. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray for those who are here today who are in need of your mercy. Lord, there are people here today who are facing spiritual affliction. There are those here today who are experiencing physical affliction. There are those who are here today who are experiencing emotional and relational affliction. And so, Lord, I ask for them, would you be merciful Toward them? Would you re relieve the burden that has been placed on them? That my, they might experience your grace and your love and your mercy. And then, Lord, I pray. I pray that you would make us a people of intercessors that we might recognize the power and authority that you have, your ability to heal and to save, and that we would not um, treat that lightly, but that recognizing that power and authority that you have, that we would be bold in coming and asking for you to use it knowing that you do not lack, that even the scraps would be sufficient for us. And so, Lord, would you make us bold to ask 
And we ask for this now in Jesus' name, amen.